You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcasts. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows TRIO programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former TRIO staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with TRIO. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Amelia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In today's episode, we have Lisa Retamoso, who is with the Nosotros Education Center, to talk about her educational journey, managing various trio programs, how and why she founded Nosotros Education Center. So coming up in just a bit, Lisa Retamoso. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Vialpando, Rosario O'Reilly, Dr. Ryan Barone, Dr. Jamie Motley, Angelica Valdez, Jaded Electronics, TrioJobList.com, Nosotros Education Center, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can be a sponsor of the podcast. Head on over to Patreon and search for Let's Talk Trio. Choose one of three patron levels. You can support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. If you own a business and would like to run an ad on our podcast, send us a message at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. Become a supporter with a one-time donation to the podcast PayPal account. Our handle is at Let's Talk Trio. One more time, that handle is at Let's Talk Trio. Any amount is truly appreciated. If you would like to nominate a participant, staff, or alumni to be on the podcast, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. You can also nominate a participant, alumni, advocate, or staff member via our website. The link is provided in our episode description. Again, a great episode featuring Lisa Retamoso, who is the executive director and founder of Nosotros Education Center. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast is the founder and executive director for Nosotros Education Center, an organization committed to assisting trio and nonprofit programs secure funding, all while providing assistance in getting their grant programs up and running. 
She graduated from the University of Texas at Austin with her bachelor's degree in business administration and obtained a master's degree in business administration through Texas Women's University. Our guest has experience working with the TRIO programs as a staff member, advocate, and now a service provider. In her free time, my guest enjoys playing pickleball and hanging out with her family. Welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth Lisa Retamoso. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Juan. I'd really uh, thank you for asking me to be part of this. Trio is my life. So Trio Talks, I love it. Bring it on. <laughs> awesome. So wonderful to have you. I appreciate you being on here to discuss your Trio background, your company, and a variety of other topics. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Me too. So are you based out of and live in Texas? Yes. Uh you know, uh, originally I'm a California girl. I was oh, really? raised outside of San Francisco in a little town wow. a game right by the airport. Uh, that's important to note because my dad uh, worked at the airport first as a, ba- uh, a cleaner of the airplanes. And then he got promoted to be um, working on the ramp with the, the baggage handlers. Mm-hmm. And it's because of his connection with American Airlines that we ended up in Dallas because Dallas is the hub for American Airlines. So in the mid 80s, he was given a promotion and he grabbed it, brought his family out here to Dallas. And so that was in 1985, right in the middle of high school. It was the end of the world for me at the time. I thought I was going to die. Uh, but yeah. But uh, Central Texas or North Texas has been my home since 1985. I left for a while to go to school in Austin, worked in Fort Worth for the long, you know, about 11 years. And then we've been here in North North of Dallas, about 25, 35 minutes, more like an hour in traffic from Mm -hmm. downtown Dallas in a city called Allen, Texas, which is about um, less than an hour from the Oklahoma border. So right now, and uh, I like being here because I can make it to the airport within like 45 minutes DFW and then Mm. travel to any part of the country when I used to travel a lot within two or three hours. So it was centrally located. So yes, I'm a California girl, but been here since 85. So I feel like I've become a Texan. (laughs) That's awesome. Right on. So something you and I share in common. I'm also originally from Los Angeles, well, originally from California, but from Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Okay, there you go. See, kindred spirits, right? You can all have that California blood. And I wish if I could, I would go back, but I can't afford to live. In- oh my gosh, no, yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy out there. I'm spoiled here. You know, I could never have this, the, the space that I have here back there, you know, but you know, it's home now here, Texas. So good. Absolutely. I hear you. I hear you. Um are you feeling at all the fall weather in Texas or not quite yet? How would you describe the weather to someone who is not from Texas? Funny you should mention that because we finally have our first freeze warning. Okay. Oh, really? But I will tell you Whoa. Friday, it was 85 degrees and I was in the pool with my son, you That's know, fair. on Friday. And uh-huh. you tell people in Texas, look, if you're going to come anytime between June and September, October, you uh-huh. better be prepared to, it's going to be hot, you know, and this, uh, like a pizza oven during June, <laughs> July, and August, like, yeah. like you walked out into an oven. That was my first impression when I moved from the Bay Area in August. Um, but now this time of year, we literally go through probably all four seasons practically in one day. So you may Whoa. start chilly in the morning with the heater on mm-hmm. and by 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock, one o'clock, you're turning on the air conditioner again, cause it's getting hot and stuffy. And then the Whoa. heater kicks back on at mm-hmm. night. So between October, November, December, and January, we're kind of in that kind of world, but the Texas weather, you've heard it, it changes like crazy, but I love it here. I got used to it. Wonderful. 
That's wonderful. Um, we are recording this episode at the end of October. I didn't realize when I wrote the script, it was like already near. And I was like, no, we're at the end of October. We have about two months left into this year. Are there any items on your to-do list before this year is out? Yes. In fact, I'm trying to wrap up. We have a lot of project evaluations that we started with TRIO programs in the summer, and those are a long-term effort. Compliance assessments, too. We go back and forth getting folks into compliance. We do that virtually as, as mm -hmm. well. Um, and I like that because it gives us time to go back and forth, but it's a little slower pace, but it's good because we get things um, updated and completed. So I'm trying to wrap those up. APRs, I'm trying to help people wrap up their APRs before the holiday season. Thankfully, we don't have any grant proposals right now that are due before the end of the year, but we have a lot of stuff happening in the spring. So I'm trying to tie up those loose ends right now and help people with their APRs so that number one, it doesn't ruin their holiday season. And number two, it doesn't ruin my holiday season because right. we got a big Redomozo family reunion Christmas happening. It's the first time in over 25 years that me and my three sisters are going to be here under one roof with my parents and wow. our husbands and our kids. So we're really going to do it up. So I don't want to do any work during that time. Absolutely. I hear you. I think when the when the holidays approach, you really don't want to be thinking about any you know, work or anything like that. Absolutely. Uh -huh. I hear you on that. Definitely. But the last couple of years, I've been working the whole holiday season because Whoa. of grant proposals, right? Because we had UB, Talent Search, the trio grants were, you know, just in the middle of it. And now we have this Christmas where we kind of don't have a proposal competition mm. due in January or in December. So I'm taking advantage of it because right on. I'll be busy then again. Well, good for you. I'm so glad you'll be able to get to enjoy some time with the family. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. What is something that you're proud to have accomplished this year in 2023? Wow, 2023 has been a great year uh, for us. You know, we finally we we uh, ended up with uh, hitting our 775 million dollars in federal Whoa. funding that we've been able to get for our clients, agencies, and universities across the country mm -hmm. um, in federal funding. And then, you know, it's not just about the money because then I think, you know, of course, everyone always initially talks about the money, but then I right. have to remind myself that this is funding so that they can continue or in the future also serve people, students, you know? That's right. So we're really excited about that, that not only, of course, the colleges and agencies are happy about the money, but we think, or having been a, a service provider myself and also a director of these educational opportunity programs, I remember how, and knowing that the, the, the money, uh, of course, does impact these lives and helps students and their families do better and end up, you know, going to college, staying in college. So it's really, really exciting to be part of that. The other thing I'm really proud about is that my company was selected uh, to be one of the Longhorn 100 recipients. It was their first year they did that. And this is through the University of Texas, their alumni association. And they're, you know, we've got about 65,000 alumni across the world. Mm -hmm. And they had, uh, they requested, uh, um, or I was nominated and it was intense. I mean, it, it, they had an accounting firm that calculated our company's um, compounded annual growth rate. Mm -hmm. uh, something I hadn't looked at since I left business school. And I was like, what is this? I had to look it up again. So they were doing it based on sales. So I wow. had a feeling and growth uh, for <laughs> how we did between the years of 2019 and 2021. And so they had this intensive cal uh, formula and we came out and I, I, we were told that we were one of the top 100 
And they brought us down to Austin and, uh, you know, just pulled the stops. I felt like a celebrity. I didn't know what to expect, but I was like, whoa. That's um, so cool. And we ended up being number 37. And I was so wow, proud Out of, of 100. Out of 100, number 37. Me, myself, and I, and my 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 team, you know, we, we, we had our table of our own. It was packed. It was a wonderful celebration. But what makes me so proud of it is that it was based on sales. It wasn't mm. based on because I was a Hispanic female. You know, it was business. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, you know, and having your own company, you don't get to have your service awards like with the university or with your association because you're doing your own thing. So you kind of feel like, you know, you're out there and, and and are you actually doing something that can be recognized? And, you know, yes, we love it when our clients get funded and they say thank you. And now we can serve more students. But it sure is heck of a nice, at least for one day to be treated like a VIP at UT Austin. You're, you know, where you went to college and you're so proud of going to college there. And, um, you know, getting reaping the I guess being honored for the hard work of years and years of years of thinking, oh, my gosh, am I going to make payroll? Am I going to be able mm-hmm. to pay the mortgage? You know, is this going to continue? So it was super, super awesome. So that's how my 2023 went. And we're applying. They asked us to apply again because it's an annual event. So I'm going wow. for it. Absolutely. <laughs> wonderful. Well, congratulations on all the accolades Thank and the you. wonderful recognition, uh, Lisa. So wonderful, great things happening with you. Um, so got to uh, kind of refer back to your intro. How did you get interested in pickleball? How did how did that happen for you? <laughs> well, you see, I actually started playing tennis when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So I played it my I mean, I just got I loved it. So I had lessons and a coach, you know, if, if I'd had any real talent, I would have been a professional. But I was one of those that had the desire and the want, but didn't have the, 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 the talent, the, the, the actual talent to do it. But I did pretty well, you know, uh, to, to play in high school. And I played a little bit in college and uh, then stepped away for a while, started busy working, raising my family, got sucked back into it after 25, 20 year break of not even picking up a racket. And uh, in my first year coming back, joined a, a, a team, that was a national part of a league, and ended, and it, long story short, we ended up going to nationals in 2013. Oh, cool. Women's nationals teams. We didn't win, but then it came back the year later, 2014, playing mixed doubles. So I was hooked again in, mm-hmm. in our amateur league, you know, uh, competitive tennis. Um, and then I found pickleball, and I thought this is a crazy little thing. Uh, I don't, I don't think I like this, you know. But then I played it, and I got hooked because to me it's more exciting, mm. more exhilarating than tennis, more lively, faster. And so I haven't looked back. So now I'm playing pickleball, and I'm on a league, and we're number one going into our final match on uh, Friday. As you can tell, I'm a little bit of a competitive person. <laughs> and uh, we hope that's our final match. So if we win, we'll be number one in our league uh, here in Dallas. That's so, wonderful, Lisa. That's class. wonderful. Uh, what do you like to do with your family when you're hanging out with them? I like to just chill. Uh, you know, you can tell competitive. I finally put that aside or the grant competition. <laughs> I love to hang out with my son and just, you know, watch sports again, competitive, uh, hang out in the backyard um, and, you know, just kind of decompress and not look at my phone as much because I, okay. I got to yeah. stop it. I got to put down the phone. So that's what <laughs> I like to do. That's what I'm looking forward to Christmas where everyone else is on break. And so I will be tempted to look at emails or text messages coming in. 
Wonderful. Lisa, we're going to rewind the clocks a little bit. Can you share about your family and what your upbringing was like? Sure. Would love to. You know, my parents are um, born and raised in Lima, Peru. So they came to the United States back in the 60s. My dad came, uh, uh, you know, someone sponsored him and and he wanted to come here. Uh, You know, I guess he was in his early 20s because he knew back in Peru he had maxed out because, you know, he didn't have the proper upbringing there and hadn't didn't have money to go to college. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that old (laughs) cliche about the American dream. And thank God, you know, he had the courage and the guts I don't know if I could have. I'd like to think that I would. Maybe I get my my spirit from him. But he made that jump because he really didn't know anybody here. And then, uh, you know, it, uh, after a while working everything, he reminds me of all the things he did because he wanted to go to college. Mm-hmm. But came the time that, you know, he needed to get a wife. Right. So then he went back to the motherland right, to get himself <laughs> a Peruvian wife. Uh-huh. Told it, you know, I uh, gave himself a timeline of, of like, you know, I'll be back in three months. And sure enough, he met my mom, got married and brought her back within three months. And yeah. I was born, I was born there. And then we were born in a community where um, everyone was from Latin America and that part of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So long story short, by the time I was five years old, I didn't speak any English. Having been born in the United oh, wow. States, only spoke Spanish because uh-huh. no one, I didn't need to until right. I kindergarten and there was no ESL. And so that's why initially my first interaction with school was not good because I was away from my parents. I couldn't speak any English. Um, So that was really, really rough. But uh, my sisters came along. So we grew up there and my parents were always working. So I remember always taking care of my younger siblings. And I thought at the time, I'm never going to have kids because I'm so tired of babysitting my, you know, my sisters, you know, um, and, you know, I don't, I never want to work with kids, you know, and then I ended up spending my whole career, you know, working with students and kids, so, you know, be careful what you wish for. The way things worked out. Yep. Right. And so that's kind of the story of how my parents uh, came over here. And so again, ha- growing up um, initially in an area that we had a lot of folks that looked like me, and then we moved to the suburbs and there was not that many people that looked like me. Hence, when I went to that school, there was no ESL. I had to learn Spanish, uh, English fast. Wow. And then when we moved to Texas. Just by coincidence, we moved to an area, a suburb, where I was now still the onlyest only, me and a handful of other Hispanic students and African-American students at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wasn't until I went to UT Austin where I actually felt that I was around other folks like me, other mm-hmm. Hispanics. Um, now, you know, of course, the high school and all that, it's, it's a different demographic. But back then in the 80s, we there weren't that many of us here. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny because I would go, I remember going to UT Austin and meeting people from the Valley, you know, other parts of Southern Texas, the border that also were going to UT. And I would tell them, wow, it's so cool that there's so many Hispanics here. And they'd look at me and say, girl, are you kidding me? This is nothing. This is nothing from where we come from. So it was just to me like, wow. Um, they think there's not that many of us here. And I'm overwhelmed at how many of us are here at UT. So wow. just a perspective how we we grew up, you know, them, you know, in areas where everyone was like them, me versus where I wasn't, you know, just me and my mm-hmm. sisters and a handful of other folks. You knew who was Hispanic or Black at our high school, you know, just mm-hmm. a handful of us. And over there, it's like everybody was. So it was just really interesting. Wow. Uh, how would your family describe you? <laughs> strong-willed <laughs> I think it would be you know I'm, I'm a like first baby so that I'm cleaning it up strong-willed but you know I think they would say that I am loyal I'm fierce 
um, and I'm um, resilient as well. I think that's how they would describe me as. But number one, strong-headed. Right. Okay. Right on. Uh, do you rec- so you mentioned earlier that school was kind of a, a hesitation for you, or you felt a little bit like uh, not not feeling it. So what what drew you in, or what uh, what motivated you to stay in school? Well, like I said, initially it was not a good thing because it was away from my mother. I didn't understand the language. It was awful. I mean, if they had offered therapy back when I was five years old about that, Uh I was traumatized by it. Mm -hmm. And at the time you wouldn't do that. Now things are different. I mean, now you wouldn't dare do that to a student. You'd do ESL, you'd offer counseling and things like that, yada, yada, yada. But I think what really got me out of my shell or wanted me to go to school was reading the books, even though I didn't understand uh, what they were saying. I was intrigued that words had meanings and that there was a story. And I remember checking out books or, you know, when you're little, they let you bring books home from school. And I thought that was the biggest, that was so, so, so cool that I could bring a book home and I'd make my poor mother read it. Well, my mother didn't know English, but she pretended. (laughs) (laughs) She would, I would say, read it, read it, read it. And she was like, and and she made it, she would read to me in Spanish, making up pictures, making up words based off of the pictures. Yeah. she wanted to, you know, and so that kept me going that I'd always bring a different book so that my mom could, bless her heart, make up a story to go yeah. oh. the book because she couldn't read it. <laughs> yeah, ultimate improv. Yeah, exactly. My mom's good now. She To this day, she will she will make it work. And uh, so so that's what I like doing is reading. And then I got into sports and I really love that. And yeah, I mean, you, you, somebody always needs something. You need a motivator. You need some, just one thing, if anything, to keep you coming back and staying there. And then you notice all the other things that, that you get to benefit from. Wonderful. So aside from reading and sports, were there any other subjects that really spoke to you? History. I liked history and government as well. You know, I was intrigued by that, always kind of curious to find out, well, what happened back then? Or I heard, even now when I hear about something and I I wish, you know what, if I had the time, I would love to go back to grad school and study history. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, not that I'm using it for my job. You know, we're we're so busy, you know, I got to get a degree so I can pay the bills and do this and this. But if I was like won the lottery and I could study anything, oh my God, I'd throw myself into history because I'm curious now. And I wish, I I guess I didn't have the time when I was younger to be curious about it. But now I'm like intrigued. How did this happen? Especially, you know, what's going on in the world today with what we see. I'm intrigued by that. You know, it's so much in the news. And I was, I'm I'm like, I need, why is there so much I, I realize there's so much conflict, but I really want to know the history. How far back does this battle go? Absolutely. And it's fascinating to me. And mm-hmm. I wish I had known about the history earlier. But anyway, so that's what wow. intrigues me. That's wonderful. So I majored in history and I totally oh, forget that feeling. You know like what I mean? You would dive into history. Absolutely. Yeah. I would. I would love it. I love all those specials on TV, documentaries about, I mean, oh, I just, I would love, love to spend years and days just watching stuff like that or living it or visiting places to historical places. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Did your family stress the importance of an education? Yes, they always stressed it. I mean, like I said, my dad came here initially to go to college. My mom, bless her heart, the one who was making up stories, (laughs) managed to tell me, bless her heart, she stopped going to, she had to stop going to school when she was in third grade in Peru to start working. But 
I wish I had 10% of my parents' brains. I just had a million percent more opportunities, mm. you know, but they're the real smart ones. I could only imagine how far they would have gone academically uh, with their, with their brain power and their persevere- perseverance. Um, but, you know, yes. Yeah, so it was always understood, but bless their heart. They didn't know how to do it, where to go or how to pay for it. And I never knew about Trio until I started working for Trio. Mm. But but that underlying uh, support, like almost like, oh, you know, you can do it. They always made me feel like I could do it, but they couldn't tell me how to do it. So that was the <laughs> missing link. Uh-huh. I feel that you feel I can do it, but hello, mm. Uh, mm. I kind of need the feeling that the support was there, but what wasn't there was the knowledge as to how. Right. If I hadn't had the support, I wouldn't have gone or even yeah. felt capable of of the steps to get the details, right? Yeah. And how I got the details was from a, actually a friend and I followed her, but my parents had no clue, but they did. I could feel the the support that you can do this and you need to do this. That seems to be a running theme with first generation college students is that they feel the support from the family, but not quite like the steps on how to do college, right? Exactly. They had no clue. So I'm like I said, great. Thanks for your support. And thanks for the, the, the cheerleading, the pep talk. You can do it. We love you no matter what. I'm like, but I still don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. How are we going to pay for this? Mm-hmm. Oh, you'll figure it out. We always figure it out. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so I felt like I had to go, but I felt that I was going to go for a semester just to mm-hmm. make them happy. And then I was going to just not go back because there was no way I was going to be academically successful because I had no clue what it would took to be in college. To me, it was super hard and super mm-hmm. expensive. So just to go for a semester, not even to complete the semester was my goal. Okay. Okay. So was college part of the family discussion as you started thinking about, okay, feel the support from the family, but now we got to make a discussion because like you said, finances come into it, your schedule, things like that. Was college part of that discussion? It only was because I had a good friend that was going to go because she had seven brothers and sisters older than her. And they're from New York. They were an Irish American family. So she had all these, so she knew that it could happen. And she was also, she would tell me, bless her. She goes, okay, you know how goofy my older brother is. If he can do it, we can do it, you know? So it was one of those comparison <laughs> things. And I so that. I latched on to, you know, I, I said, hey, sounds like a good plan. Thank God. I don't think I could have done it. I know I couldn't have done it by myself, but because we were best friends and best friends do everything together. Mm-hmm. He took the lead. I was the follower. And my parents were very pleased with that because then they knew I had a plan and they thought, great, at least one of them knows what to do (laughs) because of her (laughs) older brother and sister's uh, ins and outs. And my friend had a very detailed plan, thank God for her, because she had seen what worked with her older brothers and sisters and what had not. And so we were working off of their successes and also avoiding their mistakes. So she basically became my college counselor as oh, a wow. year old. And I said, you know what? If she had said, let's jump off that cliff, you know, I promise you it's going to work out. I said, hey, let's go. So I was a total follower, but thank God I followed the right person, right? Because some of our kids follow the wrong person. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. This person, and, I, and to this day, she's my best friend. And Wonderful. So, you know, and, and so when I got that award, she was the first person I told. And I told her, oh, yeah. for you? this wouldn't have not been possible. So this is, this is your award too. 
That's wonderful. So we get a little bit of sense of how you prepared for college then. Uh, tell us what other ways did you prepare? Uh, definitely following the footsteps of somebody else that is already applied for college or is going to apply definitely mm -hmm. helps. What, what other uh, things did you do to prepare? Gosh, well, I can't, honestly, I was thinking, what did I do to prepare? You know, this would not work nowadays, kids, kids out there, anyone listening to, <laughs> you want to prepare ahead of time. You want to, you, you know what, I, I take it back. What saved my behind was that I loved to read. Mm. And if you don't love to read, make sure you learn to love to read because yes. you're drunk because you know in history it's reading papers reading 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 even in math reading 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 absolutely and i not loved to read and excelled in advanced placement english um i think things would have turned out very differently so i think by accident because mm -hmm. of my love of reading remember little girl bringing home books that <laughs> i couldn't even read but i knew there was a story there yeah. um it just made me um by accident prepare for college but you know right now as in my you know as a professional i would tell students read i don't care what it is read even if you're on the web read whatever you can make sure you're well versed in reading push yourself to read different things be aware of, uh, of what's out there besides, you know, just social media. There's 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 great resources now. Remember, we'd have to go to a library, get a library card and be restricted. You know, now there's so much things you could you could devour and, and read. And I think that's what by accident prepared me the best for college is reading and learning how to write uh, effectively. Wonderful. Why did you choose the University of Texas at Austin? My friend. She chose for okay, me. fair yeah, enough. I, 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 I thought, you know, what should I say? You know, I thought about, you know, did a campus tour and I looked at the degree programs and thought this. No, she said we were going there. I said, okay, but we took a different route. We first went to the community college to get our basics out and mm -hmm. oh, that's not smart. pay as much money, right? And then we were also concurrently enrolled at the local university, which was the University of Texas at Arlington. Mm -hmm. So all the classes we took there would transfer to UT Austin. So my friend planned it out so that we didn't lose a single credit. You know, wow. like some people, like her brothers and sisters had lost credits. So she mm -hmm. said, we ain't playing that. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to stay on that path. You know, so, you know, that's really what, she, because of her, because in here in Texas, you either we're, we're going to UT Austin or Texas A&M. And yeah. we gravitated to UT Austin. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, did you receive any support as you worked toward being admitted to UT? Now, I heard you say community college with the University of Texas at Arlington. And mm -hmm. then uh, what other external or maybe internal supports did you receive? Um, I didn't really get any, um, you know, let me take that back. I got some scholarships at the junior college um, because I had a really good GPA. Because remember, I went in there to fail. So I, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Um, this, you know, let me, let me try to do really good at first. And so I studied like crazy mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. because it's going to get harder. Right. So right. I studied, studied, studied. And then I got my first test. I got an A in all my tests. And I said, okay, well next week it's going to really be hard. So I was like over like waiting for the other shoe to drop any day. Now it's going to super hard. Right. 
Right. And that 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 over not overstudying, but that anticipation or ex expecting that I would not be successful actually helped me because I was like worried that I was going to be sent home. Not you can't be sent home, but you know what I mean. Flunk out. Yeah, of totally. College. Yeah. And so I ended up doing well that I had a 4.0 my first semester as a freshman in college. And I was like, wonderful. So I yeah. applied for scholarships and things like that. And I thought, you know what? But I figured out there is a system. There's a way. And, and that same system has helped me later on when you find out how the professors want their answers, how mm -hmm. what, what questions they ask and what they stress and focus on. So you think, I bet he's going to ask me about that later. So let me focus on that. So I kind of was picking up clues on how to do well on exams and, and papers based on following their, their lead, right? And that has helped me now when I look at a RFP for a proposal, I look to see what they're focused on. And I said, well, they spent a lot of time talking about that. So I probably should address that or use their own language back in mm -hmm. the responses. And so that would kind of connect there. When I got to UT Austin though, Actually, someone uh, someone from their counseling department sought me out because I had a pretty decent GPA and I guess I was Hispanic. They were starting a minority peer counseling program. And so they oh. asked me to be since by that time I was, you know, um, my starting to be a junior in college. I had enough hours to come in as a junior student. So they saw me as an older student to mentor incoming freshmen. Oh. So it was ironic, right? That someone yeah. who only went to college because her friend said we're going to go that worked and out. who had no idea how to go. It was uh -huh. just following her that when I get to UT Austin, the University of Texas at Austin, that they would tap my shoulder and ask me, would you mind mentoring a younger, you know, incoming Hispanic student? And I said, you know, and I said, okay. And I was like, wow, I'm going to be mentoring. But let me tell you that experience of helping somebody go through what I had gone through. I guess I was replicating what my friend had helped me. She was my mm -hmm. advisor, my mentor. So my peer mentor. So I in turn did that for this student. And I kept telling the student, I still say that to this day, look, I'm not any smarter than you. I've just made more mistakes. So learn from my <laughs> mistakes. And I really enjoyed it. But by that time, you know, someone had said, well, have you thought about being a counselor? By that time, I was so deep into getting my business degree. And I was like, mm -hmm. what? I can't just all of a sudden start over. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is a nice little hobby. You know, I'm going to go into international business. This is nice to help. It looks good on my resume. I enjoy sure. Maybe I'll do it volunteer later on, but I got to go. I got to move yeah. on and get my business degree. So <laughs> I actually didn't get any support directly, but mm. I was giving support. So I guess in a way it's helped me in a way think, you know, here I am telling these people what to do that I can't like next semester when they come looking for me be gone, you know, because I mm -hmm. dropped. So it's kind of like, I felt almost a little bit of responsibility that I got to, you know, maintain the looks of someone who is a mentor, so to speak, even if I'm still struggling myself. <laughs> no, but still, I mean, I, I think a couple of things that you said that I really want to highlight when you said, uh, preparing to fail or even going in without that fear of failure. Uh, because I think for first generation students, that becomes kind of a thing that holds us back sometimes is like, what if I fail? Right. And I love that, that you're reframing it and saying, if you're prepared to fail, like, how's that going to bother you? A setback, right? Like that's, it's a shrug of the shoulders and go, oh, okay, keep going. So right. that's amazing. First of all. And uh, second is uh, being able to, when, when you have thr greatness thrust upon you and you're saying, Hey, uh, you're now going to mentor these uh, students. That's an amazing opportunity. 
I love that. So I just want to quickly highlight those two things. So that's amazing. Well, thank you. But thank you. But yes, I was I was not afraid to fail because I knew it was going to happen. So why not in my mind? So what could be the worst? My parents will still love me. I still have a place to go. And it never happened. It never yeah. happened. So, you know, I, I guess I prepared myself for the worst, hope for the best, prepare for the worst, that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Hey there. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsor. Are you seeking guidance to enhance your TRIO project's effectiveness and success? Look no further. Nosotros Education Center, NEC, is here to empower your TRIO project with expert consulting services. NEC's mission is to promote the effectiveness and impact of TRIO programs. Since 2003, NEC has specialized in providing professional development and in-service staff trainings, allowable cost services, for TRIO projects across the country. The team at NEC, with over 60 years of combined TRIO experience, offers customized workshops and seminars for project staff, compliance assessments, external evaluations, working on and submitting APRs, database customization and training, developments of policies and procedures manuals, and project implementation or reorganization services. Additionally, NEC has secured over $774 million in federal funding with a 92% success rate through their live and on-demand proposal workshops, assistance with data collection and review, detailed technical reviews, and comprehensive proposal development services. Join the hundreds of colleges, agencies, and TRIO projects across the country who benefited from NEC's expertise. Nosotros Education Center, your partner in TRIO's project success. Visit their website at nosotros.edu.org. Again, that's nosotros.edu.org. And now, back to the podcast. Can you talk to us about your college experience and what was that like for you? Well, college experience was different. You know, I was a commuter student. And I worked the whole time. I had to, you know, and so I didn't get to do the rush or the, you know, hey, party, you know, mm. go to school full time and just didn't worry about it. I had to pay pay for bills, you know, I, had sure, to pay for yeah, yeah. So I felt, you know, a little bit apart from everybody else and being a commuter. And when I went to UT Austin, I was already a, a junior student. So I wasn't quite a freshman in those first two years. I mean, there's a level of maturity and and just understanding that between a junior and an incoming freshman. Um, but I love being at UT Austin because I was finally away from home mm -hmm. and I was working full time. So uh, I got to enjoy, you know, the independence of finally being on my own, but at the same time, still having a little bit of college. So I felt like I was in two different worlds, um, but I think it prepared me later on um, for, you know, always being you know, ready to, to work. You know, I wasn't afraid to work. I wasn't something that I wasn't used to. By the time I graduated, I had a pretty healthy work resume. Um, so, you know, yes, I mean, it, 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 I wish later on, you know, I do wish that I had enjoyed it more with free time. But at the same time, one semester that I didn't work was my worst semester because I didn't, you know, <laughs> academically, because I had too much free time. You know what I mean? I had I had mm -hmm. more free time, I could have gotten in trouble, you know, um, <laughs> academically and partying too much. So I kind of um, felt that, you know, I had to have those um, responsibilities in order to keep me in line and make it happen, you know. Absolutely. 
what led to your what led to your decision to pursue a business administration degree? Because that seemingly seemingly that just like happened, or was it a decision or a decision process? My friend, she said your friend <laughs> because it's more versatile compared. That's what her her older brother said. It's a little bit. It kind of opens it up and then lets you decide later on. And I always told you know what, get your undergraduate in anything because later on it's your master's degree that you're going to enjoy or focus on. Mm-hmm. And so I also had that mindset and it was by the, you know, the, the one that had the the least amount of hours and didn't involve some thesis or something. Cause even though I was a writer, I was scared to death of that, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I really, really um, that's the main reason, but I tell you what life has, it's so funny because getting that business degree was what saved my behind when I started working in trio and was mm-hmm. a director of multiple pro- or a brand new one new program. Cause I treated it like a small business. Because yeah. I didn't know the counseling part. So I felt inadequate in, you know, having the credentials to counsel somebody, except for my mentoring experience. But I sure had, you know, knew how to develop a business plan, do a budget and things like that. So I kind of, you know, when you don't know what to do, you want to look busy. So, mm-hmm. you know, you want people to think, okay, at least she's, you know, we gave her this job. Fake it till you make it. Oh, so sure, sure, sure. Yeah. really, you know, I threw my business, that that business background um, management into running my first trio program and it worked. And I think it's wow. been one of the best things I ever did is to get a business degree. Did you learn to love it or did you love it straight up? I didn't love it straight up. I thought when I graduated, because I'd had such a good experience being a uh, minority peer counselor, and then I was put to be like in Dillard's department store as a buyer, and I was not, it was not fulfilling. I thought I'd made a mistake, mm. and I've really made a mistake. And I, 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 you know, was those years from when I graduated to when I finally got my first trio job, you know, felt like, gosh, a, a, a wasted years. They weren't wasted, but I felt lost, you know. And I didn't have enough money to go to grad school, but I was like, I have a business degree, but what am I going to do? I don't want to work in a bank. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And that's when just by fate, I read in the paper back in the day, y'all, when you used to look for jobs in the paper, (laughs) someone was hiring for an educational opportunity program in Fort Worth through the Boys and Girls Clubs. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? What have I got to lose? I'm working in retail right now. I don't like it. Let me give this a shot. Mm-hmm. And they took a chance. I took a chance on them. They took a chance on me. And here I am still in trio 30 years later, never left. Wonderful. Was this program challenging, uh, your business administration degree? And what do you remember most about it? Oh, my gosh. You know, it. it what I remember most about it is statistics and business calculus. Business tough. calculus you know, with the X's and Y's and you start with this, you know, and, and you know, if you're, if you're trying to staff uh, a busy Walmart, how many cashiers do you have going on and what shifts? I mean, we used to do that back in the day manually with calculus. Now they have software programs to do that, but they wanted mm-hmm. us to learn mm-hmm. how to calculate the waiting time and all this stuff. Wow. And I just couldn't get it. I was like, it was, it was the most, I had to take it three times. I kept dropping it. And finally it was the last class I'd taken everything else. I couldn't graduate with everybody because I was still missing that class. So I just stayed off in another semester just to take that class. Mm -hmm. I took it again and I had to take it at the university. And bless his heart, the teacher was from China and I could barely understand him. Heck, he he could have had no accent and I still wouldn't have understood the concept, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But 
I would go see him during office hours. He would help me somehow. Here we are trying to communicate. I would memorize the symbols. I never quite understood it. And long story short, um, took the test, the final exam, and I got a D. But that was good enough to pass. And I was an A-B student. And when he told me you have a D, and he thought he was disappointing me, he goes, you have a D. He goes, you have, he goes, you have D. I I wanted to hug him. I said, really? (laughs) He was like, you know, you're happy about this? I said, I can pass. I can graduate. He says, well, yes, but it's a D. I said, I don't care. I'd won the lottery. I thought I had a big A. Yeah. I was so excited. And um, he changed my life. I mean, he if he had not taken the time, if I'd gotten an F, I think that would have just been it. I would not have graduated. I would not be able to get the trio job that I wanted and I would not have mm. been able to get the career. So I always remember him and how he took a chance on me and he really stuck it out with me and he gave me my only D and I love him for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lisa, did you get involved with the university of Texas campus and were you any part of any groups, organizations, anything like that? Well, I think through my experience with a minority being a minority peer counselor, then I met some other students like me that were, uh, peer mentors. Um, and we were through the business school. So there they were starting at the time, the Hispanic Business Students Association. So I, I, I became involved in that, which is now a big deal. But back in the day, it was barely getting started, right? So mm-hmm. I got involved in that. And then when I graduated, I was more involved with the Texas X's locally. I was served on several scholarship committees, you know, recruiting students, talking to their parents and doing that. I got super busy running the TRIO program, so I kind of stepped away from it. But recently, I've now come back here in, in the Dallas chapter, and I've attended uh, receptions and recruitment events. I'm now talking to parents and students about, you know, um, they're deciding to go either to, you know, and so we try to talk to them about what they, you know, things they have, questions about the the university, specific Hispanic and African-American students. And so, again, it's come full circle that, you know, here I went there by accident and now I'm involved in, in, in making sure, you know, students uh, know the ins and outs of the university. And it's just so to see how far the recruitment of Hispanic and African-American students has come in all this time where they have specific events for them and their parents is amazing to me. So um, I'm I'm back to doing that, which makes me really, really happy to be part of that. Wonderful. Can you talk to us about the moment you graduated from college and what was that like for you? You know, it was, again, it was so, I, I you know, that's darn math class, right? So, I mean, everything <laughs> was, it, it was just, something, you know, uh, my, my parents were there, but you know, UT Austin is massive. It so is huge a stadium. So they don't call your name out. You know, you don't get to walk across the stage kind of deal because mm, it was so massive, uh-huh. but you know, we had the president speak at our, you know, the commencement speech as president Bush, Papa Bush at the time, you know, and I was just so, and my dad and mom were in the, I can see them because it was just enormous. Yeah. But I they were there <laughs> and they were mm-hmm. really impressed. What impressed them, the, the president was there. I mean, that's what really, uh, you know, did it for them. Prestigious. The United Absolutely. States was speaking at the UT commencement. And mm-hmm. that's when I finally realized this is such a big deal. But let me tell you, I actually got more from when I graduated from Texas Women's University with my master's degree, because it was a smaller area. I did get mm-hmm. to walk across stage. We did do the traditional pictures that I didn't get to do when I was um, 
I got my undergraduate degree. And um, again, my whole family was there. I could see them the whole time. So it was just more intimate. And so I got mm-hmm. to enjoy it a little bit more than the massive UT one. Yeah. Now, did you decide that you wanted to pursue your master's degree immediately? Or did you get some time off before, like after you graduated from college? No, no. I mean, it was not even, I was like, I'm through with school. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know I'm done, one and done. You know, that math class I tell you about killed me. So I was like, never again, never again. So, mm-hmm. you know, 13 years later, it was when I finally went back to get my master's degree and I shouldn't have waited that long. And if I could talk to anybody who's getting their undergraduate degree right now, don't mm. stop, keep going, whatever you're going through, you can get through it. Do not stop. You can still get the work experience and do it because once you stop, it's so hard. And it was so hard for me to get back. Mm-hmm. It was the toughest thing. And it's the toughest thing, but also the proudest thing that I'm um, of what I was able to do is to actually come back because mm-hmm. it was a struggle. It really was. So that's why I'm, I, that master's degree to me is, is more uh, meaningful. If out of the two, they're both, you know, of course, I'm proud of both of them, but that master's degree with what I was going through full time work, family and everything, man, I don't know how I did it. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, And I'm going to ask you here a little bit about uh, more about that. Uh, But you also work for multiple trio programs. Is that right? Well, you know, I started with the Boys and Girls Clubs, and mm-hmm. uh, then we had one talent search, then we had two, then we had an upward bound, then we had another upward bound. So anyway, we had about, I had about five trio programs uh, where I was split across all five. Then mm-hmm. we got a Youth Opportunity Center, and then we also got a, oh. another, uh, through the Department of Justice, a mentoring program. So wow. what is that? seven programs I had? So uh, I was called the Director of Educational and Career Services at the Boys and Girls Club. So I used to, I'm, I'm, I've never, it's been so long since I was just director of one program. Mm -hmm. So again, I think my business background really helped with that in letting me manage multiple programs at the same time. Um, Then um, when I left the club, I didn't want to, but we had to move to another, to here north of Dallas and there were no trio programs uh, here. Um, I did do consulting work and I started um, working for Texas Wesleyan University. Mm-hmm. So that was the first official gig with at the university level. And then I worked at UT, uh, UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio, and they had about six or seven trio programs. And I was the associate director there working with the executive director. And I was kind of the person who would manage all the assistant directors for all the trio programs. So once again, I specialized in multi-supervision of, of multi oh, yeah. trio programs. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. So at what point did you decide uh, in this work experience that you were getting that getting a master's degree would be ideal? And what what inspired you to pursue this degree? Now, I'm guessing your best friend was no longer... Oh, actually, like, finally, I made it? a decision on my oh. own. <laughs> finally, I did a decision on my own. She went to go to work for Southwest Airlines and mm-hmm. re- retired very early, very wealthy. I should have followed her. <laughs> what happened to me? I should have... You had a business, know, though. I was, I was on a roll, right? I should have kept following her i don't know what happened anyway um i'm gonna die but anyway uh you know went went the other route to be in the uh the grant funded programs and Mm -hmm. so what led me to finally get my master's degree was after i left the club when i was looking at getting um hired as an employee not as a consultant at a university i soon realized that i couldn't even apply for entry-level positions in trio without a master's degree 
Mm. They mm. required a master's degree to be an advisor, to be a coordinator. Right. Here I was like, oh, excuse me, I've run, you know, all these trio programs. I've written the grants. I've gotten mm -hmm. people funded. I have 20, 30 people reporting to me and I can't get hired as an entry level person at a university. Huh because mm. of their HR stipulations that they required a minimum of a master's degree. Right. So I said, you know what, I need to get that master's degree if I'm ever going to, you know, and, and then I thought, you know what, with business, and I, if I want to run my own business, because I was thinking, ah, let me get this. I got, I went to get my master's degree because I wanted to work or I needed to work at a university. Mm -hmm. I didn't mm -hmm. want to go in as entry level. So that was my main motivation. Not that I would ever have my own business, but to get that darn master's degree so that I could actually work someplace and other than an agency. So Absolutely. that was my motivation. And wow. I picked a master's degree because um, I'd had the career with my business degree and I didn't want to start all over again. So that's why Texas Women's University had an executive um, you know, a uh, master's of business program, which was fast tracked. And also they took into consideration your work life experience in mm -hmm. lieu of admissions testing, the GRE, because I'd mm -hmm. been out of pocket for 13 years. And remember how much fun I had with math before there was no way I was going to score very high on the GRE. Right. So they were starting a new program and they said they would look at my experience as an interview and they said we would like to offer you a slot in our first graduating class of our executive MBA program. So I wow. took it. I took it. Wonderful. Can you talk to us about that grad school experience? What was it like? Well, I was working and so everyone else was working and we came, I mean, people would be flying in for it. That's when executive MBA programs were the deal and nothing was virtual. I mean, you know, we back in the day, y'all, I know there was no Zoom. Can you imagine that? So it was, it was intense, you know, I mean, there was always, and that's what it, I, it brought me back to the days where you do case presentations with, with your fellow classmates but you know back in the day we were all younger and now we were like adults ranging in age and that was a whole totally different thing working on a team with people you didn't necessarily pick mm -hmm. and dealing with their schedules and all that stuff so it was intense it was stressful but we had really good uh speakers that were actually what i liked about texas women's program is that they had business professionals teaching that was a requirement Everyone that was teaching also is currently running or a CEO of a company. So I really enjoyed that real wow. life, you know, um, connection. And I also really enjoyed the business, um, the, uh, the business plan development of it because it was right up my alley. And that's when I started thinking that maybe I could do my own business. But at the same time, it was like, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, if I don't get a real job at a university, maybe mm -hmm. I could have my own business on the side. Right, you know, right, right, right. You know, as a hobby, as extra money, but never my full time gig because I got to work for someone who pays benefits. I got to have some stability. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's what I was thinking initially. But it really prepared me to do these on the fly uh, discussions, presentations. And also, it taught me how to cover for other people that didn't rise to the occasion, mm. you know, without, you know, letting any anyone else know that we were mad at them for not you know because you can't do that you can't show device you know that you're divisive because and I learned that also from the kids when and parents in our trio programs if they sense the the team or the project staff is not on the same page they ain't gonna want to be part of your program or they can, oh, they can feed on those weaknesses 
So I'd say, look, we need to talk about this and be on the same page. At least, you know, let's duke it out privately, but in public, we're going to go in like we're, we're best friends. Okay. (laughs) Later, because if it, if they see that we're falling apart, who wants to be part of a thing that people are falling apart in? Right. So make it till you make it. Absolutely. So this uh, now, I think right there in, in your moment in grad school, you were already, your mind was percolating on starting your own business. So what inspired you to form Nosotros Education Center? Not that one friend, but my other friends in TRIO. Other friends, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Through TRIO, um, my my other dearest and greatest friends are people that I've known now because of my interaction with being a TRIO director. Um, going to trainings, conferences, you know, you're, 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 you're part of the same, you know, going through the same things and you bond with them. And so we meet up socially at these conferences and hang out and they would find out that I, you know, was using a database program and I kind of figured out how to use it with my own cheat sheets. So they would say, well, can you help me with it? So I said, sure, I'll help you because you're my colleague. I want you to, you know, I don't want you to have a terrible holiday season. You know, here's your AP. Let me show you a shortcut. Mm-hmm. So then that kind of grew into the point where the company itself that uh, developed the software, um, I was a cl- I was a customer, but then they asked me to do trainings on my in-service days or vacation days. They would ask mm-hmm. me to train because they felt another director teaching directors was um, uh, the connection or they were able to um, cover things or answer their questions differently than if it was a computer programming person trying to talk to a director, you know? Right. So anyway, started doing that and that started picking up. Whereas when I finally left being a full-time director, then this company basically brought me up almost, brought me in almost full-time to travel and to work with TRIO programs on that. That, from that interaction, by being put out there to to provide national trainings on site to TRIO programs to use this database program, I would also find myself talking to the directors about other aspects of their program management, budgeting, regulations, Mm -hmm. all this other stuff. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that started another part that started with me, uh, them contracting directly with me to help them with these now what we call consulting services. Right. I didn't know it at the time. I was just trying to help them out. And so that is what little by little by little, almost overnight, I was still, I was going to just do it until the, the gigs r- ran out and I had to get a real job. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still doing that. So wow. I mean, I'm still waiting for the next, you know, <laughs> and, and so word of mouth. And they're, they're, at the time, there was hardly anybody specializing in this. And mm-hmm. so they kept me busy. They kept mm-hmm. me busy between that software company and with all these different gigs coming in that by accident, I created Nosotros Education Center and here we are today. It's uh, I really didn't, even though I had the capability of doing a business plan and have done business plans for undergraduate and, and, and graduate school, I never really did one for my company. I didn't have to, thank God, knock on wood. I didn't have to go to the <laughs> bank and convince investors that, you know, please invest in my company. Mm-hmm. Um, we I just by the luck, you know, and by my friends and trio, trio has been trio has been very, very good to me. I know it's been very good to a lot of students, a lot of parents, but it's been very good to me because it's allowed me to do what I love to do and make a living, you know, helping students and parents through helping the advisors and directors that are managing the programs. Wonderful. What services or programs does NEC offer? 
Well, we offer um, there are, you know, right now we're well known for, I think, the grant writing, but actually that's not where it started. It started with database training, customization, started with uh, virtual, well, at the time, but technical assistance, like for especially for a brand new project, or if the director had been out for a while and they had a new director and they needed someone to help guide and be a mentor, basically, again, a mentor to that director providing them with anything and everything to get them back on track. We do compliance assessments. We do mock compliance assessments. We mimic what the Department of Ed would be looking for. Oh. We try to get people organized so that they can be compliance um, uh, ready at, all, at any time and stay organized. We also help with project evaluations, external project evaluations. We also help with policies, procedures, manuals. Um, and then of course, the proposal writing workshops, technical reviews, um, proposal development. Uh, but we also offer a lot of free webinars because I always want to make sure that, because I know how long it takes to get something approved for your budget. Even if it's to pay for a $25 thing, you might have to you know, wait four weeks to get approval. So I want to offer or always continue to offer free things, free informational uh, uh, you know, webinars um, so that people don't have to pay us a penny and still learn and we can share information. So that's in a just ba basically what we do is provide anything to we, we help projects get funded and then we help them stay funded by providing these essential services to improve the quality of their services and their outcomes to participants. That's amazing. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, being an organization that helps secure TRIO funding? Uh, what are the most challenging and rewarding aspects of your job? Well, it's always rewarding when you get a perfect score on a grant proposal and the client is getting millions of dollars or, you know, with with uh, our TRIO programs, it may not seem like a lot of money each year, but it's for five years. So it adds up, you know, so we're always excited about that. And also, you know, the stress of having, you know, people's not only students served, but people's jobs, you know. These are people's positions that, so it's very, very stressful. So that's the challenging part is having the stress, but then the benefits or the, the, the great feeling that when you get it funded outweighs that. And, and we just love, you know, we thrive on when the awards are out. We never get tired of that. We love to see success rates and people getting funded. It's so empowering to know that the words you put on paper translate to funding that helps mm -hmm. impact uh, lives. Mm -hmm. the, the challenging part um, is that it's getting very competitive because the money is drying up, you know, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the colleges and sometimes the agencies don't have the hard data that's necessary now to make a case for why they need the funding. People will tell mm -hmm. us, well, we know we have a lot of low-income students and we know that they're they're suffering or they're academically lagging behind others. And we have to be the bad guys and say, well, I need the hard data. I can't go just by the, you know, I feel you. We can use the the feeling <laughs> there, but I still have to present it. We're required to do that. So that's the challenging mm -hmm. part is where I have to tell folks, I know you have a need, but I can't demonstrate it for you with the data that you, you don't have the data for it. And so that's the hard news. <clears throat> yeah. So aside from funding, what else does NEC do to assist the TRIO community? You you mentioned some great benefits like program development, uh, policies and procedure manuals. Are there mm -hmm. any other types of assistance that you provide TRIO, the TRIO community? 
Yes. Well, I think the webinars, because we're constantly offering the free webinars, like how to work on your APR, you know, how to unpack the instructions, um, looking at ways to uh, work on your delivery of services. We offer free workshops on the curriculum you might want to utilize, not only how uh -huh. to get organized, but also we, 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 we've developed like a shopping list of vendors that we um, uh, most of my team are former directors of people we've looked at and said, you know what, if we were currently directors, we would, we would buy their products too. So we're kind of um, trying to, we'd like to be a clearinghouse basically of not just, you know, if you can pay us, great. If you can't, please come to our website anyway, look at our free resources, our free web uh, webinars. We're trying to help even if you can't pay us a dime. And that's what we try to offer to the TRIO community uh, because, and, and it's not just, oh, let's do this just to be nice. No, we have a vested interest. Our My interest is, you know, if you stay in business, then I stay in business. Even if you don't give me a penny, we're only as, stronger, as strong as our weakest link. So I need y'all to stay in business, even if you can't afford it now, or you're not being allowed to for whatever reason, maybe in the future, or you can be around to be in a position to make that decision where we can make it happen. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just to be a nice person or anything. It's to make sure that people are getting the help that they need and can stay funded. Wonderful. Uh, NSC has been around for about 30 years, right? Or did you have 30 years of experience doing this work? I have 30 years. I started in 1994. Wow. Um, 30 years in TRIO. Um, and NEC is 20 years old. So, 20. Uh, wow. Yeah. So we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. So well, it's happy really anniversary. Another, and that's what I should have said. What's the proudest thing is that I never thought I'd have my own business, but to say that it's been around for 20 years. But I'm also remembering that the TRIO programs that we st I started um, you know, are still there after 30 years. And wow. I never thought we'd make it after the first year. I would mm. come fine thinking, you know, again, like with school, I'm just going to work my butt off until they fire me. They're going to mm. fire me. They're going to fire me because they're going to figure I don't know what I'm talking about. And here I am still waiting to get fired <clears throat> 30 years later. But that should be the I, should, I completely forgot about it. It's, wow. It seems it's another lifetime. But yeah, they've been around 30 years and our business, our company has been around 20 years. 20 years. So what's your vision for this company looking ahead? And what are, are there any services you're hoping to add? Yes. In fact, you know, the buzzword is dashboards, you know, that people want to do a representation of their outcomes. So what we want to start offering is, you know, uh, taking your APR, which is not the most fascinating document ever. It's Snorville, you know, it's Stressville, the, you know, the spreadsheet and all that. We want to take it and make it like a visual, make a visual representation out of it and make it a, um, uh, you know, attractive, illustrated way to show folks and the target audience I'm looking for is not necessarily the parents and students, but to other stakeholders, like the powers that be at the university or for the pre-college programs, the administrations or school boards to let them know, because nowadays we don't like to look at long reports, right? With a lot of narrative or a lot of spreadsheet. We like right. Brief, colorful things that, you know, stress certain things. So we want to, I want to now branch into um, being able to market or to develop documents that will help TRIO programs ultimately in their not only recruitment, but getting support from these entities that they desperately need in order to have access to students by having these visual representations of the their performance outcomes. 
So we're trying to come up with a name for it, but I think we're like outcome performance report Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that takes your APR and puts it into, uh, you know, some sort of a a more appealing uh, marketing piece. Again, based on my marketing background, trying to do that. And we have a really great crew uh, team that, you know, has a lot of business experience that, um, you know, helps us with that. The other thing is I, I want to branch out into diversifying our, so that we're not just trying to get TRIO funding, but we have started getting Title Three. It's still Department of Ed, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. CAMP, HEP, you know, uh, uh, basic needs. Um, I want to start diversifying into other federal funding uh, opportunities for colleges and universities and agencies. Uh, but also I want to look into the private sector. My dream oh. would be to go to companies and have companies fund an upward bound program completely or a talent search program mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. a write-off for the company. And not only would it be set up to help the individuals and families and students in their target area or in their service area, but also to help their employees and their employees, children, you know, the children of their employees. Um, and if it's a private-based one, then hopefully I won't have the restrictions of the low-income first generation, which don't get me wrong. I see the need for it, but at the same time, sometimes they're so restricting, right? Because it is federal. Be. Certainly. Um, and I would love to venture into getting companies to host TRIO-like programs. That's wonderful. That's a great goal to have. Uh, if a TRIO representative wanted to go to hold of you or any really grant writer or a program seeking to, to get funding, how can they how can they do that? How can they get a hold of you? The best way is to go to our website. Just Google Nosotros Education Center, N-O-S-O-T-R-O-S um, Education Center. Um, and you can go to our website and check it out there. Also, you can become a free member um, and receive our blog postings. You just give us your, you know, you become a free member. There's a little it's super easy. Um, or you could just answer our chat if you want to chat and ask about one of our services. Um, but again, if if you want to unsubscribe and get tired of receiving my blog posts, you know, fine. No, no, no feelings hurt. You could you can unsubscribe really easy. And that's what I made sure I said, look, let's make it easy for people to sign up. But as easy as they sign up, I want to be able for them to sign off if, if for some reason they don't want to receive anything from us. So that's the best way to reach us off the website via email as well. I, you know, I never pick up the phone. I use the phone for everything except talking on it, right? Uh, Emails, text messages, and things like that. So that's the best way to reach us. Right on. Is there a consulting fee associated with the initial call or outreach? No, there's not. Actually, we, you, you have, there's a Calendly link. I think I'm saying that right. uh, Where you can set up and we offer a free consultation so that we basically talk about things and, and see, you know, if there's anything, um, you know, what service uh, based on your budget and what other, um, uh, you know, items or things you want to talk about. Um, We see what, we try to talk about what your need is and prioritize and also about your budget. You know, what can you afford? And we're very, you know, we've got prices, but we've been known to accommodate and bundle things as needed. Right on. Outside of TRIO, what other organizations has your company helped? Uh, we have, gosh, we've we've done a lot of with colleges and universities. We've done a lot of the um, the Title Three, the parent, uh, the camp program, um, where we're helping um, uh, individuals, um, also uh, migrant uh, students, 
things like that. We've also worked with the Department of Justice, Department of Labor, um, state departments of education, um, helping that. So we are trying to diversify diversify a bit, but I would say that I would say 90% of our work is still trio related, which is not bad. But like I said, I'd like to diversify and find out what's out, out there. But let me tell you, trio keeps us pretty busy and right. trio is good to us. So I want to make sure I'm always available for trio, uh, for trio stuff. Wonderful. Um, if somebody listening to your podcast says, you know what, this is wonderful. This work sounds like something right up my alley. I really love what she's doing. What skills would someone need to have in order to work in the field that you're in? I think, again, it goes back to having the experience of um, not just with one program, but several programs. I think it comes with years of experience. Um, also having a, a background in having funded successful programs, running successful programs, also um, being flexible, uh, also in, and also having a, a business sense um, that it's not just about advising and counseling, but also knowing how to manage a budget and actually sticking to that budget and making those hard decisions, you know, um, when, you know, things, some things you can't do, and sometimes you can't hire the right person you want to hire. And I think, you know, people have asked me, well, I want to be a consultant. And I said, you know what? I never actually said I wanted to be a consultant. I became that because of my experience. So I tell them, mm -hmm. get the experience, get your master's degree, but also make sure you have some real life experience in what you want to advise people in because it just makes more sense, right? You, you don't have to memorize something if you understand it. And if you understand this type of work, but understand from a director's viewpoint, how to manage these multiple programs, that's what really is going to um, assist in possibly having being a consultant as well. Awesome. What advice would you give to TRIO participants, whether they're in uh, high school, middle school, uh, college, or trying to get back into college? What advice would you give them if they're listening to this podcast? Wow. I would say, you know what, never, it sounds cliche, but it's true. Never give up. Just when you think um, someone is trying to tell me I shouldn't do this, like all that, you know, I've got this, this, and this. And I think we're quick to try to look for excuses why we shouldn't go after something, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't let it stop you. Keep going forward. You know, we have a lot of things going on right now in, in this world. Uh, it's, you know, it's to my pre-college students, you know, I, I feel for y'all because um, you had to grow up very fast because of COVID. You know, that we never had to deal with something like that. At least my generation didn't have to deal with that. And that's very jarring. And I think with everybody. So it's been really a challenge to, to you know, virtual learning is great, but some people, you know, they're tired of it, right? They want to, you know, take a gap year. And my trio participants, please, yes, I understand wanting to take that gap year, but please don't make it more than a year or at least take something, even if it's virtual, to keep you in that that mind and, and that college going set, because I think the more you stay away from it, the more, the harder it is to get back into school, whether you're going from high school to college or in the middle of college or dropped out or want to go back to grad school. If you've been thinking about it and thinking that it's not a good time right now, let me tell you, it's never a good time. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. never going to be a good time. Mm -hmm. So do it as soon as you can. And I, I do it. And, and if anything, you'll be proud of yourself for even trying. But guess what? I bet you most of y'all, because you have that determination and that 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 need um, and want to succeed, you will succeed. You got to want it. 
That's awesome. Great advice. How about word of advice or something you would like to say to trio professionals across the nation? My trio professionals, let me tell you, I know I've been in trio, it seems like forever now, 30 years, but I tell you what, when was COVID? When it's been three or four years. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Over, right? It feels like so long ago, but really it wasn't. But in the trio sense, you know, I, as a professional, I feel like like I'm learning again, how to identify, recruit and serve students post COVID. We have not bounced back yet. We are trying to, every single program is struggling. Don't think it's just you. Um, it is across the board. People, you know, It's hard to hire people. It's hard to keep people. It's hard to get students come back and participate in either in-person or online learning, uh, enrollments down, things like that. But I always think you know, things seem to be worse before they get better. Um, and that we, you know, stick, you know, don't give up yet. Don't go off and do something else. Hang in there. I truly feel that uh, good things are, are going to start happening and that we're going to bounce back and be able to um, not struggle so much with recruitment um, and, uh, and keeping students uh, interested in coming to the program. I know that's probably the hardest thing you guys have had to go through. And it's very different from um, anything we've experienced but I think we're getting experience doing it. And whenever you have experience, you tend to get better and look for different ways. So think outside of the box, refresh yourself on the regulations. The more you know about the regulations, it's ironic that actually the more you find out what you have flexibility. So I would urge all my TRIO colleagues, whether you're brand new or been in TRIO for a while, to go through a run through through the regulations to to notice how much flexibility you have in your identification, recruitment and selection plan and delivery of services so that you can bounce back from COVID. That's great advice. Are there any books, movies, TV shows, podcasts, or other general entertainment activities that you would recommend to the audience? I'm guessing pickleball is up there and hopefully you're recommending this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> this podcast for sure, because it's it's been great just talking to you and seeing all your other guests and knowing that you're not the onlyest one, you know, and that you're going through this together and that there's a community out there supporting you for sure. But for the really, you know, I guess mindless stuff, you know, I like to listen to podcasts of history or, I mean, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, I, I hate to say <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you, disasters, but I like the, the, <laughs> the ones about, um, uh, disaster. Uh, oh, yeah. About the greatest disasters in history. I don't wow. know what's wrong with me. I listen to that. <laughs> um, and also about uh, the Apollo 13 podcast. That was really uh, fascinating to me. All they went through and they made it happen. So I love a good success story, of course. The sports stories, the true life sports stories. I love those uh, documentaries about uh, people who have persevered in their sport or overcome stuff. I just eat that up. So to me, that's, I guess, a, a motivator. Like, no matter where you start from is not you like cliche is not where you start but where you end and you never know what anyone else is going through but I, I i in a way get motivated by seeing these true life stories you know um that, that happen either podcasts or movies That's i love that that's very inspirational love it it is. it is i love it lisa can you describe yourself using only one word i would say i'm determined determined I love it. So that's going to be the title of your podcast, this episode. Determined. <laughs> I'm glad because my other choice was strong-hearted. So Ooh, strong-hearted. With, with determined. Okay, so determined or strong-hearted? Because strong-hearted, you can hyphenate it and make it one word. That's true. I don't know. Can I get back to you on that? Yeah, feel free. Feel free. 
Thank you so much, Lisa. Uh, this was just a pleasure to have you on the podcast. You've been just a wonder wonderful conversationalist. I love talking to, to you and about your company, NEC. Uh, I hope to have you again on the podcast soon. I would love to. Anytime you want to talk, just you know where to find me. Wonderful. Lisa, we have a tradition on the Let's Talk Trio podcast where we have the guests sign off. Do you care to do the honors? I would love to. Hi, this is Lisa Renamozo, and I'm the executive director and founder of Nosotros Education Center. I attended the University of Texas at Austin to get my bachelor's degree in business administration. I went on to attend uh, Texas Women's University to get my master's in business. And I want to tell you that hook em horns and trio works. Are you a participant, alum, or staff of a trio program? Do you want your program highlighted? You or your program could be featured in an upcoming episode of Let's Talk Trio. Get a hold of us by going to our Facebook page or Instagram and send us a direct message. Search for Let's Talk Trio. We want to get your story to the public. That was our guest, Lisa Retamoso, Executive Director and Founder of Nosotros Education Center. Lisa, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your educational journey. Remember, if you would like to be on the Let's Talk Trio podcast or know a staff, advocate, participant, or alumni, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. Again, a huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Dr. Jamie Motley, Dr. Ryan Barone, Angelica Valdez, Rosario O'Reilly, TrioJobList.com, Jaded Electronics, Nosotros Education Center, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can sponsor the Let's Talk Trio podcast in one of three ways. Become a monthly patron on Patreon. Our base level starts at a dollar a month. Become a corporate sponsor via Patreon by placing an ad on our podcast. Email us for details. Become a supporter with a one-time donation to the podcast PayPal account. Our handle is at Let's Talk Trio. One more time, that handle is at Let's Talk Trio. I'd like to take a moment to thank our honorary members of the Let's Talk Trio podcast, Roderick Chambers, Tony Ho, Scott Kendall, and Susan Cramp. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, audio engineer, music producer and composer, and post-production editor. Amelia Castaneda, script supervisor, marketing manager, social media manager, and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. This episode was recorded Monday, October 30th, 2023. Remember to always exercise your right to vote. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.